Welcome to the Known Legacy Podcast, by Dads for Dads, coming at you from the Lone Star State Cigar Shop in Allen, Texas. For more info, go to www.knownlegacy.org or look for us on social media under Known Legacy. Now here's your host, Bill and Travis. You know, so last time we talked about finding out the bad chapter or like the the chapter that you define your life in. You know, we right. talked about that with David, how David had had this one, you know, time like, man, if I was just looking at this book and I'm going, dang, I wish, I think it's chapter 16, but I can be totally wrong. But the David and Bathsheba chapter starts at, at first Samuel, no, second Samuel uh, 11, I believe is where it See, starts. This is, this is why I have you around. <laughs> Remember the whole Genesis three thing you talked about? Where is that in the midst of creation? You'll get to there. If yeah. you haven't heard it yet, you'll get to yeah, that. You'll get to that. No, no, no. But I, I think you're exactly right. And the chapter for David was, we, we started off the conversation with David was a man after God's own heart. And so we can assume that David had it together, that David had it perfect. But what we realized in that Second Samuel series is David was messed up. Yeah. Um, and he had this adultery affair, mm-hmm. uh, or he had this affair. He was an mm-hmm. adulterer yeah. uh, with Bathsheba, got her pregnant, was terrified that the secret was going to come out. So he tried to hide it. And the way he tried to hide it was get her husband. Yes, I said her husband back from the front lines because her husband was a warrior. Yep. Try to get him drunk, sleep with his wife. Yep. But this dude had integrity. He's like, no, I'm not going to sleep with her. If my men are on the front lines and they're sacrificing and sleeping yeah. on the ground, who am I to enjoy the pleasures of my bed? I will sleep on the ground too. Yeah. Made David furious. He finally sent him to the front lines, the heat of the battle. A better man than he I. He gets, he dies. Little does he know that he was actually murdered because it was David's decree that got him there. Yeah. And then Bathsheba has the baby and the baby dies. Yeah. It is a messed up chapter in his life. Yeah. And I guarantee if you've had a chapter like that, you want no one to know about it and you want to bury that thing because you don't want to be reminded of it. Yeah. And yet, could you imagine the most popular book in the world has that chapter in it forever? Yeah. The Bible? Yeah. Imagine your darkest chapter of life being written into the Bible for everyone to read for generations to come. Yeah. But I think the the great hope of that chapter and the hope for our chapters is the reality that that brokenness actually brings us hope because it puts God on display. Yeah. Not David. It put God on display for his love, his mercy, and his grace. Yeah. And so last time we were together, uh, we challenged everyone in the podcast, uh, what is your chapter? What yeah. is a chapter when um, you failed, you are broken, there's some legacy, there's some habitual sin that creeps up over and over again. What's your chapter that you are allowing to define you rather than seeing God at work there? Um, And so for for me, uh, so, you know, I work in the church and uh, I love to create things and I love to build things. And unfortunately, a lot of institutions don't like that. So I have a bad habit of breaking things. And anyways, about uh, a year and a half ago, actually, I was in a really deep depression. Um, and I was because you didn't know me yet. It's because I didn't know Bill. Uh, the, sorry. Yes. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Such a jerk. But I was in this deep funk depression. I, w- I was I was mad at my wife. I was mad at my kids. I was mad at my job. I was mad at my career. I was mad at my income. I was mad at the world. I was mad at everything. And uh, finally broke down and said, you know what? I've sent a lot of people to a counselor. Maybe it's time I go to a counselor. Mm. Now, as a as a dad and as a man that may be one of the hardest things for us to do but i'm telling you it was the best thing that i could do because just like a good coach tells you things that you can't see when you're in the middle of a backswing yeah this counselor 
pulled me aside and invested a month and a half, two months into my life. And I was like, dude, you're not even seeing this in your backswing, but you have a glitch that that needs to be taken care of. And if you take care of that glitch, it will impact everything else. And uh, my glitch was my life was completely out of balance. I had no time to just, uh, I had no hobbies. Uh, he, I remember the pivotal question he asked me, he goes, if you had two weeks to do nothing, what would you do? And I told him, uh, I'd probably drink old fashions and smoke cigars. And he goes, well, that might be a problem. I was like, yep, <laughs> you know, I think it is a problem. And he goes, so let's talk about that. And he, he, he reminded me of how I'm wired is one that likes to create. And so what am I creating that's not involved in the church? And so from there, I started doing some woodworking projects. Mm. I got my daughter on board. We built loft beds for them. And I eventually landed at, at creating uh, my bourbon barrel smoker um, that I absolutely Which is love. Legit. Yeah. I, Can I, I still it. say legit? Is that <laughs> I just I just aged myself. Let's be honest. It's too legit to quit. Hey, hey. <laughs> yup. So going on to hammer time. <laughs> uh, so for me, that's a chapter that I wish I could hide from. Yeah. You know, and I have tons of chapters like that. Um, but there's chapters that I wish I could hide from, but I'm realizing I need to embrace and I need to share because it gives permission to others to not hide from it, but to actually look at it and maybe begin to wrestle with it. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I know. I, I have I have some chapters like that. I feel like I've got more. Than, you might you might feel like you've got like eleven chapters like that. I'm like I sometimes feel like that. I have a whole book. I know. I'm going on to volume three. The volume of those three chapters. of those chapters. Um, and I think I think there's a lot of that. Some of those same similarities in my own chapter, uh, my own chapters uh, of a life, where you just kind of like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Uh, a lot of mine was a was a while ago in my brokenness. You know, when I was younger, I was about fourteen. Um, I started uh, drinking and I got addicted to pornography. Wow. And so by the time I was, you know, 18, you kind of feel like you get yourself in, you know, out of that element. Right. But man, I am older now. I mean, it's 20 plus years, almost 25 years since then. And I'm and it's funny. You still sometimes bow your head to pray and it's like, boom, there's a picture. And you're like, whoa, that was literally like yes. six presidents ago. And I'm still remembering all that. Or maybe it's not six again. I was never good in geography. <laughs> um, and anyways. Dude, we know it's geometry. Yeah, 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 we're all too. And that's when everyone shuts off the podcast right there. Um, but no, I mean, I think and the biggest problem for me was was I allowed that to continue to define myself over and over and over again. That was my legacy. That well, was okay. my brokenness. And, and I'll go back to John 10.10, which is becoming kind of an anchor verse for us. The enemy comes to steal and destroy. God has come that we may have life and have it to the fullest. Yeah. And, and And if we don't, if we aren't honest with our chapters and seeing how God is using them, yeah. Satan will pound us into the ground with those things because he won't let us see the forgiveness and the forgetfulness of God saying, as far as the East is from the West, Bill, I've forgiven you from that crap yeah. in your life. Yeah. And instead, Satan brings it up over and over again, and we have begin to feel like failures, like we'll never get it together, like that's the best that we'll ever be. And we just, we, we cower and we hide. And it's... Yeah. We're not made for that, man. No, we're made for so much. In fact, it's kind of like, it's like trying to, it's trying to like weed, you know, I had this terrible lawn in Midland when I lived in Midland and it was just weeds. It was a weed lawn. It was a weed garden is what it's it felt Midland. like. It's, it's Midland. Midland. Like, what do you do? Nothing grows in Midland. I mean, we were trying to pull out these weeds all the time and I would get the top of them and sometimes we would cover oh, it over yeah, with, yeah, like, yeah, with, yeah. with like topsoil yeah. mm. and we'd get it with grass and that, that weed would pop in and I'm going, I feel like 
that's a lot of times what I would do with my own chapters. I would cover it with things that I did. Well, I served and I did this, but I never really dealt with it. Yes. You know? Yes, absolutely. And it's often in the middle of the night. Like for me, it's like when I wake up at 2 a.m., there's still like three stories in my past that come back and Satan uses to haunt me. One was when I was in seventh grade and I, I was a bully and I picked on this kid that was brilliant. He's probably a multi-billionaire today, invented mm. something. But he wore a pocket protector and we all know that's just like a big bullseye. And so I just treated this kid like junk. Mm. There's another time, you know, when I treated this girl like absolute trash. It, 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 and I think you're right. Unless we're willing to let the gardener mm-hmm. go in and pull out that root, yeah, it will continue to spring up and unfortunately define us more than we'd like to admit. Yeah. So I think that's that's a good, a good way to start. And so, so I guess what we're just saying is we both have chapters too. Like, we're not coming at this with the angle of, here's how to never have a chapter. I think it's dealing with, listen, we've all got junk, but how do we fix it? And, you know, um, um, I loved hearing about your story, about what was going on in your life, in your chapter, how, like, the depression and all that kind of stuff just just hit you hard. And here you are, a a follower of Jesus. Right. Who should have everything together. A pastor. Yeah. Who, you know, should be the spiritual guru. And I was just in in a deep funk, man. And it was spiritual warfare. And, mm-hmm. and I know we have, in our Western mindset, have a difficult time wrapping our, our brain around that sometimes. But I fully believe it was spiritual warfare. And I think God used it to prepare me for what was coming ahead. And, uh, and so it was dark, man. And, and the best thing I did was, was reach out for, for some help and some outside put uh, input. Uh, because otherwise, I was just in a spiral. Man, I was, I was miserable. Yeah. I was a horrible dad. I was a horrible husband. I was not a happy person to be around. And it's, yeah, but I think, I think so many, so many times I get a chance to talk to guys or I myself feel like, man, I'm, I'm just not there a hundred percent. You know what I'm saying? Like there's just days you wake up and you're like, is this what it's all about? We, we allow that previous chapter in our life to just define us at that, at that moment. And so I guess for, for me with my heart, with what we went through for, for years in Midland and then, you know, even before that kind of working through who we were as followers of of Jesus, it was very much, um, it was a lot of information and it wasn't so much, I guess, acting on, you know, I keep going back to Indiana Jones where he steps, he has to step off the mouth of the lion. Then yep. I think we already talked about that, but that whole idea of, of stepping off, but it's like, yeah, but I've got all these things. I've got all these things that are, that are holding me back or, or fears that like come in. And so for even me, my heart today wants to challenge, challenge us in the chapter of going, Listen, time out. Let's rethink this. Let, let's almost like reprogram our minds. He's made us new creatures, and he's restored our mind. He's restored us. And so I see this, and I'm like, wow. I'm like, as I, as I looked at it, I'm like, we have to help uh, others understand that. I have to help others understand that uh, because I, need, I needed to get that too. And so, so as I'd walk through this journey of walking away from the chapter that I defined myself by into it, I kept noticing three things. <coughs> a good cup of coffee yeah. needs a good filter. Right. And, uh, and so I think as I looked at the filters in my life that kept coming up, there were three that were specific. And the first one was, is God's word true or not? Which, which is such a fundamental question that I don't think many of us wrestle with. Because it, it, until we wrestle with it, the implications of the, how you answer that in your heart of hearts is absolutely huge. Yeah. And so what was your wrestle point with that? So I'd open up my devotional or whatever I was reading at the time, whether it was uh, Blackaby's Experiencing God Dude, or solid. Great. Such a solid. Great study. stuff. Um, there's a lot of guys that I, that I would pick up and I'd, you know, I'd read an Andy Stanley devotional or something like that. And 
and then it, but I would read it and I would hear, oh, well, God has something great for you. I'm like, yeah, but, because I didn't flat out accept the fact that God's word was true. So I, I still in my mind had a wrestle where I see guys who are like, well, I'll do this devotional and then hopefully uh, in some, you know, by osmosis of doing this enough, it'll just happen. Right. I'll feel right. better. Um, and I'm like, and there's got to be a better point in our life to bring it back to. Do I really believe that this is true? Because I really, what I was really saying at the core when I was saying, no, I don't believe this is that I don't believe that God's word's true. Right. And so, so I started reading and, uh, in first Corinthians 15, I think it's 12 through, through 19 and 11 says, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. I love this. So I'm reading this right now from a guy who is essentially the Osama bin Laden of his day. Right. Like he really right. hated, like he really wanted to see Christians die. Right. And you're like, and all of a sudden he meets Jesus and everything changes. He just not wanted. He orchestrated. Yeah. He's the guy that was like sending the mob out to pull people from their house and then stone them, which has got to be one of the most brutal ways to, to execute someone. Yes. You know? And to his delight. And he, so even in the scripture says that those who were killing Stephen, you know, in, in the book of Acts, laid their, laid their garments down, down at, the, at the feet of, of this Saul right. at the time. And so it was, it was almost an honor of like, I'm doing this because I'm, I'm going to follow what you've kind of taught me or, or encouraged me to do. And man, this is, this is an honor that I get to lay my cloak at your feet while you, you get to watch us kill somebody. And I'm going, wow. I'm like, so, so, so now we take a guy who meets Jesus and then he writes this. And that's, I guess, what I get at is this guy who basically hated God and right. hated his people. Now well, he, he hated Jesus. He hated Jesus. He, he, he was a devout follower of the Jewish religion. He Correct. Was, he was Yahweh. He was a zealot. All of that stuff. So he didn't hate God. He hated Jesus and what Jesus was doing to the status quo. Yeah, What that's Jesus good. was doing to his traditions and the things that he had found value in rather than finding value in the one who created him. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So, so um, I, I keep reading this, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Like, completely worthless. Even when we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it's true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. I love how sometimes Paul talks in almost in circles like, okay, dude, wrap it up because I'm not as smart as you, so help me out here. So, and if Christ, check this out, verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then those who are fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If any, if if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all most to be pitied. So he said, if your faith is a joke, futile, if your faith is a, your faith is a joke, if Christ hasn't been raised. So I kept looking and going, either this is all true or this is all, all not. False. Yeah, all of it's false. So, either, so, either, so I have an opportunity today to accept the fact that either God's word is true and everything in there is cast on me. When I mean all, all, the, all the truths about who God is, who I am, all these, and we're, I'm going to break that down for my next filters, but who God is and who I am and what I'm called to do is either all true or it's all not. Right. So it's like, why am I getting up on Sunday to just play church? I'm not. Mm. I'm, if, if that's it, if, if this isn't all true, then let's just get a couple of tickets to Vegas and call it, call it good right. and not do any of this. Now, I believe it's all true. I believe it is, and I believe you do too. As, as you're sitting here listening, it's like, I want to believe this is true, but, but it comes to a point in your life to go, do I, am I really going to just accept this unemotionally? Right. Am I going to accept that this is true and walk in that? Well, and I think uh, w- what I love is the, the fact that God often pursues us 
and doesn't relent from us wrestling with that question. And it's not when we are on the mountaintops. I mean, we can see, I remember hiking Big Bend a few years back and doing Mm. the 13-mile South Rim hike. And Mm -hmm. you stand there and you look out over the valley into Mexico and you go, wow, look at what God has created. But that doesn't force you to your knees in the moment of desperation and really wrestle with that question of like, is God's word true yeah because if his word is true then what he says in his word is true and if what he says in that word is true then it has implications for me and how i am valued how i have purpose and what i am called to do or be now that doesn't mean it makes everything great and there's candy canes and lollipops everywhere else in life but it gives you that anchor that hope in the midst of the darkest hardest seasons yeah 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 and so how did you get to that point of finding and, and really kind of realizing, oh, no, it's true. Like, I will die proclaiming the word of God is true. So what happened to me was um, there was a point in my life when uh, things were not going good. Yeah. I only had one of them. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I had a whole bunch. <laughs> but the, things were just... Not, it was a bad day. No, things were not going good for a long period of time. Uh, money was non-existent. I felt like we, we moved to the desert spiritually, physically, emotionally, and mentally. Dude, and, and, and just to interrupt... Yeah, I I am never I, it never ceases to amaze, amaze me how money messes with the psyche of a man. Oh, absolutely! It, it just wrecks us. We never seem to make enough. We never seem to be valued enough. And at the end of the day, even if we make more money, it just screws with us in our core. Yeah. And so I think often, if you're looking for times that God maybe has wrecked you and brought you to the point of, do you really believe my word to be true? I'd wager bet for most dudes money was a part of that time. Yeah, I would think so. It's so much, I, it's, for some reason, we put that identity in there. Like, if I make a lot, then I'm valuable. If I don't, and it's, it's so sad. Now, there, there's, there's a few that I've met who don't let that define them, but more than not, I know I myself struggle with that sometimes, but like, man, like, if I just made a little more, if I just did this, uh, things would be better. If I could just have, but it's funny how... Because I want to play the role of God. I want to yeah. be the provider. I want to be the one that makes everything better. I want to be the one that makes my kids happy. I want to be the one that makes my wife happy. Yeah. And so I will start to insert my play, myself in the place of God in yeah. others' lives. And to do that in our culture, money is a part of that. And God rips that apart and says, dude, you cannot make your kids happy. Yeah. Only I can. <sighs> Like if it was only if it was only that easy to just be like, ah, you know, daddy, 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 Warbucks all over the place. Like, here, take this, take this. You know, you get a car and you get a car. It's like, you're like the uh, Wait, Oprah you don't do that of your, with your day. Family? <laughs> you know, it doesn't happen. But so, so I, I guess in, at that point we were so so destitute that I was going to take my life, mm-hmm. and I just remember that I was ready to, to walk on the loop in, uh, in in uh, in like Midland and just let a tractor trailer hit Wait, me. There's a loop. There's in a Midland? loop in Midland. There is. There's there's a loop. And I remember so clearly, I was like, I'm just going to walk on, let a tractor trailer get me Golly. and call it good. And I couldn't man up to do it. I even walked outside and I was I just there and I was like, I couldn't do it. I came back and I was so angry at myself. I couldn't even fail to kill myself. That's where I was. And, uh, and so I just got on my face and I just cursed out God with everything that was in me. I said every word that I could that made a sailor embarrassed to, to curse out God. And so here I am after half an hour of just, you're not even real. I hate you. You know, and, and, and just just pour it on my heart. I mean, that nothing's going to change. I'm speaking to just that to, to the air. Right. Science is real only, you know, I only believe in science. You know what I'm saying? Like all that kind of stuff. And so here I am on my face, exhausted after half an hour. And I remember just laying on the ground. I put, I put my head on the carpet. And I remember God so clearly saying, Bill, you're finally being honest with me. 
And I went, oh, crap. And I got back on my face. I'm so sorry. He's like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. But it's that time when you feel a right fist to the face and I hear, I love you. And I, I think that was a defining moment to me to go, it was beyond, it was a supernatural involvement. It was, a, it was a divine moment that God was like, I'm real. And I'm like, wow. Like after all that, it came to me to realize that this is either all real or it's all not. And then little whispers from that point on of who God was. Right. And, and that didn't happen like when you were 15, 16. This happened recently. I was like 26, right? 27, something yeah. like that. And I think, um, you know, I, I guess I would ask you, what do you, why do you think a lot of guys struggle to get there or allow themselves to get to that point? I think they feel like they're alone mm-hmm. and they're on their own. I feel like a lot of guys think that, that God is a weak thing. Mm-hmm. think that it's weak. And then I start reading the scripture about Jonathan, like we talked about and David and, and, uh, you know, all these different characters in the scripture, who were manly men, you know, uh, Daniel, the standing in the gap, even as a teenager to be like, no, I'm not eating that stuff. Yeah. I'm full of a room of guys. I'm no longer by my parents. My parents might be murdered. We don't even hear about that. Um, I'm with a couple of my buddies and I'm going to stand up and go, no, the heck with that. I'm going to do what I know God called me to do. That takes, that takes real, real Quite men. Close. But, but we have said real men do this, this, this again. I know we've joked about Mr. Rogers and I love Mr. Rogers, but we, but the whole idea of, of we have effeminated God to the point of where we said, that's not, that's not for men, that's for women right. and for children. Right, right. And, and we just go along with it. But that's not who God is. No. So I think that's where, when I, when I realized that God was, God created femininity and masculinity. And we have kind of shut out that, no, the enemy has shut out yes. masculinity and said, God is only this. Yep. But God is, God is a warrior. God is a conqueror. And again, I know some of these themes are coming back up through, through, through these podcast talks, but, but the reality is this is the truth. And guys, I feel like this is what I need to hear over and over and over again. God is a warrior. Right. In fact, there is a scripture that says the Lord is a warrior. So, so we're sitting there, we're going, man, how, I, I realized then and there that, that this was a strong thing. This was a masculine thing to go, God's word is true. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rely on this because it's something I can't even see. So now I'm relying on something I can't see, and it takes real, real men. It takes real, real guts to go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you at what your word says. Right. So I think that's where the first filter kind of came through for me. So you talked about three filters. Yeah. So the first filter is, is God's word true? Yes. What's the second filter? Second filter was because God's word is true. Because this is the one that you can't walk into without going, okay, I know that the first filter. And again, that's why I use filters, because as that water drips down or as that idea drips down, it's got to go through each of these. These are not steps of spirituality. These are lenses or filters to look at life through. So that first filter, because God's word is true, who is God? Mm. And I started looking at that, and I saw Psalm 103, and it says, so I think it's uh, verse 7 and 8, I think it says, the Lord is slow to get angry and abounding in unfailing love. He won't always chide, which is like, are you kidding me? He doesn't look at us with these arms folded like, when will they get it? Right, right. You know, that's it. That's not where he's at. So, so it's this idea of the chiding. He won't chide. He won't, like, sit there and, like, you know, man, that's, I mean, he's just always going to be a failure. That's not what he is. He's abounding in unfailing love. Right. I don't anymore see God as going, man, you failed me walking on water. I really see him going, man, you're of little faith, but, but, it, but the, whole, the whole thought was, man, I had you. Like, I had you. I wish you just trusted me. It's like, it's like when your kids want to jump in the pool and they're about to jump in and you're like, and you, you're like no, 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 just trust me. I right. got it. And they say no, and you're like, no, I promise. Right. I got you. And I think that's how I see the heart of Jesus more in there because I looked at 1 John four nineteen. It says we love because he first loves us. Right. And I'm going, wow, like, so that means anything that has to do with love had to come from God. So you said you've got four kids. I do. And I've got two kids. And my daughter 
and my son, but you know, like I'll apply this to my daughter right now. You know, there's those times that, that your kids just kind of sometimes get you like, <laughs> I just want to just, <laughs> Never. You know, yeah. but, but even in those moments, as I, as I look at them or even when they're sleeping or even when they just walk in the door, there's those, those quick moments where, where I look at them and go, <laughs> that's my kid. <laughs> and I'm just dumb, stupid in love with my kids. Oh yeah. And I, real, and I remember one minute that God had, as one of those times when my kids are walking in, God said, Bill, that's exactly how I see you, because I created that emotion. So God is stupid in love with us. If God's word's true, God is stupid in love with us. So, uh, story, uh, my second oldest, Molly, this is back when she was young, maybe a year, year and a half old. Anyways, um, we lived in this neighborhood that everyone had the same baby monitors, and so we would pick up. You know, <laughs> everyone else's kids crying. And it was one of those nights where my wife and I were just spent. You know what it's like, dude, when you have yeah, little oh kids. Yeah. You're just oh yeah. spent. You're just desperate to have one good night's sleep. And we did the unthinkable. We turned off the baby monitor, right? And we slept like babies, man. It was mm. fantastic. So anyways, my oldest comes into the bedroom in, in the morning, wakes us up, and, and she says, hey, uh, Molly's crying. I was like, okay. So I get up, and I, I walk down the hallway to get go into Molly's room, and as I open the door, I'm overcome with the smell of sick. Oh. Have you ever had that? Yeah. And, 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 and I'm like, before I even look into the room, I'm like, something's gone horribly wrong. And I open up the room, and, and I, Molly's in her crib standing there crying. She's not even standing there. She's sitting there rocking back and forth with her, her blanket, just trying to get comfort from it. And as I get closer, what I realized is in the middle of the night, she got sick. Not once, not twice, multiple times. And everything oh. in her bed, including herself, was covered in her own filth. And so, of course, I call my wife in there. She hands me Molly. I take her to the bathroom. We start cleaning her up. We throw away all of the bedding. I mean, it was it was... There was no saving There's it. There's no saving it. Wow. And, and we're sitting there, and in my heart of hearts, I'm going, what a failure as a father that I would so selfishly turn off the monitor the night my kid gets the flu and throws up on everything. And so I go to work that day, and I can't get my head straight. I end up going to a coffee shop. And I'll never forget, I'm in the coffee shop. And I, I'm, I'm tears still flowing down my head because I just feel like a failure. And, and as a guy, that's the one thing we don't ever want to feel yeah, like yeah, is a yeah. failure. And I just was like, man, I'm a horrible dad. I can't do this, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, um, you know, it, and again, the voice of God is, a th- th- I, I've never heard a voice of God, but it was this thought that came. Yeah. And yeah. the thought that came was like, Travis, do you see how you loved your daughter even though she was covered in her own filth? Wow. I was like, yeah. I said, and all you wanted to do was make her clean. I was like, yep. He goes, that's my love for you. Oh, that's it. That's my love for you. Even when you are in your filthiest, dirtiest moment, you as a dad did not run in there and condemn her. You did not run in there and blame her. You did not run in there with five easy steps, how she should have cleaned herself up. You ran in there and you took her and you cleaned her. And and that that is the love that God has for oh, us. Oh, that's so good. You know, uh, and, and so that was one of those pivotal moments where, again, I know God's word is true. And that for me was a moment when that's what God's love is for me. Even though I'm covered in my sin, filth, crap, you name it. All he wants to do is run into that moment and take me to the baptismal waters and make me clean. That's it. See, that is a great example because I feel like even at that moment in her filth, all she was waiting for was to see your face. Yeah. So there's, yes. there had to have been some kind of feeling of grace in that of her going, okay, dad's here. Like, right. I'm here. Like, I'm here. Like, he's going he's gonna to take care of this. 
but but we we come in feeling like oh well when he sees me he's gonna be angry mm-hmm. and we'll talk about the rescue again because i feel like there's some importance there dads in us understanding that we're not the rescuers god is but we have an opportunity to bring our kids to the rescuer right and so i think there's something great so so that's exactly the heart of the father that is exactly filter number two guys i don't care what you did if you're driving on your way to to the woman that you're about to have have an affair with you have an opportunity right now to stop yep and your father wants to clean that filth off if you're if you're coming in to a work and you're feeling shameful because of something you did last night or something you said to your wife or something that you thought about that you're struggling with god wants to come and clean it up he's not going when you get it fixed come and see me no like i know when you open the door you weren't like okay molly you got 10 minutes get it cleaned up and i'll come see you right you just ran to her right because that's the that's from god that's the heart of the father you know you get a chance to read the, read the prodigal son Oh, in the scriptures, it's a great story, and you and you see that that even in and I don't have the reference on me Luke right 15. now. That's There's that's why that's why Travis is around because he is a human <laughs> Bible and I, I am, am not. not. So Luke Luke fifteen, and I love the verse though because this is what I remember is that it says while while the, the the boy had squandered his money, he was hanging out with prostitutes, he was he was spending on everything that he could that was in his mind good and pleasing in his own mind and all of a sudden he had nothing there was a there was a famine nobody cared about him after he spent all of his money yeah so he's sitting there and he's like he's eating pig slop because the guy who who hired him was like no no you don't get a meal with this you just get to feed the pigs and I'll throw throw a bone at you so here he, here he is looking at the pig slop going i could have that have that like watermelon rind or that that old piece of whatever's in there and I'll eat that. And he's like, that looked better than what anything else I had. So he came up with a game plan to come back to dad with a, with a speech. So you, so he starts planning this and he's walking back. Well, it says that, that while he was a long way off, which, which is funny because we look at that really quick. It wasn't like the dad turned his shoulder and was like, Oh, there he is. Every day the dad was standing at the edge of the driveway looking for his son to come back. Right. Desperately waiting for him. Yeah. To be on the horizon so he could do what only a dad can do. Yeah. It's like, hey, honey, it's time for dinner. No, just give me five more minutes. Hoping that maybe that night his son would walk back to him. And so, so when he sees him, he doesn't sit there chiding with his arms crossed going, well, when he makes it to the driveway, we'll have a conversation. He drops the rake and runs down to his son. And his son comes up with this planned speech. I have no, and he goes, Shh, stop. You're home. I know. Get everything, get, get the fatted calf. I'm going to put, you know, give him a ring, give him a robe, and I'm going to cast this on him now because he's still my kid. Right. So, so whatever you did in your life, whatever you've done, dads, Whatever that chapter that still haunts you. Yeah. That thing that still wakes you up in the middle of the night and sometimes can go, I can't believe I, I did that, and will sometimes convince you to do it again. Yeah. Because you think there's no escape. You have a father that's sitting at the, actively expecting and eagerly anticipating the moment yeah. when he sees you and runs to you again. Yeah. So he wants to clean your filth off. He yeah. wants to get it from there. And so, so the second filter, God is stupid in love with you. He's for you. <laughs> He's never excited to pull the rug out from you. That's not the God that you have. That's no. not the father that, that you have. Right. And, and, and I love the fact we're talking about this. And, and, and again, dude, we guys struggle with this kind of concept. We understand what it is to be stupid in lust with a girl. Yeah. Sometimes we've maybe understood stupid in love with something, but for us to to understand that being given to us is, is not something embraced in our culture, but it is absolutely true to come to that moment and realize God is stupid in love with you. Yeah. And what does that mean? 
Yeah. You know, and, and, and so I pray that if you're a guy right now going, oh, this is just like coffee talk and this is stupid, power through it, man. Yeah. Power through the reality that God is stupid in love with you. Be a he, real man. He doesn't freaking care what kind of degree you have. He yeah. doesn't care what kind of car you drive. And I know as hard as it is, he doesn't even care if your kids succeed or not. He is just stupid in love with you. And he wants you. He wants you. Even at the point of, you know, dads, if you have to get back to that point when you first saw your kid, like day one, and the purity of that, because I know that that life gets caught up and you get busy and then, then the kids can sometimes become a frustration Oh yeah. because it's like, I got to run them to this and I got to run them to this. And now they want money for this. And the school wants money for another fundraiser to get some worthless object for $38. I'm like, can I just give them 20 bucks and call right. it good? And every day there's something else. There's school pictures. There's, there's, you know, sport uniforms. There's the car breaks down. There's, and, and, and they become eventually annoyed. By the way, annoyance. the more things you, you mentioned, the higher my anxiety is currently going I know. right now. I'm like, dude, it's crazy. Banned stuff, banned things, dude. like whatever it is. And so, so you've got all these things, and it just gets stressful that by the time you get home, you've exhausted yourself on the things that are, that are um, of least value for, for our kids, and, and, and we forsake the most value, which is your time and the words that you can speak into your kid's life. And I know we're kind of going off subject, but... But dads, I want, I want you to hear the heart of the father is beyond that. Because right. the enemy, again, has done a good job to destroy the name father. And so, so for us to look at our, at our heavenly father, who is God? He's our heavenly father, yes. But immediately we say, he's probably disappointed in me. He's pretty angry at me all the time. No, these are lies. Either or, God's word isn't true. And you can shut this off and just don't go to church again. Just find, but, but you know, I've met too many people who've walked the other journey, I myself included, to say this is worthless. And to see hope in Jesus alone. And so it's like, guys, we want you to see your value as a dad. But we first want to see that you're valued by your heavenly father. Right. So that you, he cast that on you so that you can cast that on somebody else. You're valued as a son. Yeah. Before you can understand your value as a dad. Yes. Very good. So filter two, God's stupid in love with you. Filter three. Guys, and these aren't hard things. You might be like, oh, I've read this in books. Yeah, you have. Because first thing Solomon was like, there's nothing new under the sun. Guys don't read. Yes, that's true. <laughs> We got to make a movie or something. And My call. wife told me about a book she read. That exactly. may be what happened. That's it. That's it. <laughs> More books have I read because my wife said you need to read this. I'm like, sure, I'll give it a shot. And then they changed my life, and I'm like, I read this book that I picked up by myself, not <laughs> no, at all. Didn't. So first filter, God's word's true. If God's word's true, who is God? Second right. filter. If God's word's true, then who are we? Third oh. filter. Psalm 139 says that our days are numbered, that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. That there's no time in our life that God's not using for for our best to walk with us to say, man, there is great things set in store for us. And this is not name it and claim it. This is us going, there's no, you know, so I, I've heard it put this way before. There are no neutral moments in life. God numbers our days. So we can either only speak life or death to somebody. Mm-hmm. So God has value for us. The thing that we hate about ourselves when we look in the mirror, the thing that we, we hate about who we are, God, God uses for his glory. You know, it's funny because now I used to hate when I'd look in the mirror and I would, uh, I'd see my red hair and my freckles and I'm like, I hate these things. I hate them, hate them, hate them. But now when I go and speak at places and people are like, and I come back and they're like, you're that redhead guy that told us about this. The thing I hated about me, people are like, I remember you because you were the redhead guy who said that God told me that I was valuable. It's almost as if God redeemed it and bought it back and made it good. Yes, exactly. So Psalm 139, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Stop denying your fearful and wonderfulness. Well, and I think the whole fearful word um, it has so much weight to it. It's not by accident that you and your unique gift and skill set have been poured into you living in the circumstances that you're currently living in. And I think so often we under uh, diminish it. And let's be honest, the church is really bad at having and elevating a handful of people and 
and, and subconsciously, not intentionally, undervaluing others. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so a lot of guys are sitting there, and they're rolling out Sunday morning, and let's be honest, most guys don't sing. Mm-hmm. And so you have these 35, 40-minute songs sections, and they're like going, whatever. And, and then good. they have the, the professional pastor up front who's gone to all the school, and the guy's in there, I'm never going to do that. I'm yeah. not going to be there. You know, if that's what it is to follow Jesus, I can't do that. And I think that whole fearful is the yeah. idea that every single unique hair on your head down to the very core of your DNA was there on purpose and for a reason. Good call. That's exactly That's exactly the truth because God's word's true. So he wasn't like, oh, crap, I messed up on that part. All right, I'll just fix this one. It was on purpose. So, so then I look and I say, well, if that's who I am, Psalm 139, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And I look and I see that uh, Ephesians 2.10. I love it. It's probably my favorite, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. But it says that we're God's workmanship. And forever I would see the word workmanship, yeah. and I would picture me whittling out a canoe. <laughs> I don't know why, but like just hard work. Like I am God's laborious project. That's would what you I be felt. whistling? No, it's like, ugh, like this, this sucks. Like, and I'm yeah. like, you know, with like a pickaxe or like a, like a chisel and just working and then like never getting it done. And then I realized in the Greek, the word workmanship says symphony mm-hmm. or masterpiece. Right. So I am not a canoe being whittled out. I am a picture that God looks at and says, I can't make this any better. I'm going to hang this over my fireplace. Like, I can't do anything else with this. It, it's understanding the difference in, in realizing God's word is true, God's stupid in love with me, and he sees me as valuable. He sees me as a masterpiece, as a finished product, because his son stood in place of us to take our wrath, and so now on me has been cast. This isn't something that I can accept. This is something that when I become a child of God, it's been cast on me. So I don't have an option. So God, do I have what it takes? Yes, next question. Stop asking me. Right. Romans 8.37 says that we're more than conquerors. And I love it. I know the story of Braveheart isn't historically accurate. It was a story that was made. Wait, in Mel Gibson? Mel Gibson is not. And, and, like, and so, so the whole story is kind of different, but that concept is a conqueror. Yeah. And so I look at that, and God said, you're more than that. You're William Wallace on steroids. Guys, either this is all true. I'm going to have you ask me a question, guys. Guys, do you believe that God's word's true? And hopefully right now you're saying yes. I'm going to shake my head yes. God, if God's word's true, God's stupid in love with you. Is God's word true? Yes. You're a masterpiece. End of story. There's no arguing with that. Is God's word true? Yes. You're more than a conqueror. So you're walking into work. You've been a yes man. You're walking into work. You really want to, you, you believe that God's calling you to do something better in your life. And you're going, but, but I don't have what it takes. God said, yes, you are. You're my kid. You have what it takes because I've given it to you, not because you've earned it, not because you've, you've, you've worked out enough for that to happen. No, it's because he's cast it on you to be more than a conqueror in him who loves us. And so, so with those three filters, God's word's true. God is stupid in love with us. We're more than conquerors. We're William Wallace on steroids. So the question I ask you guys is, are you becoming who you want to become? And start to challenge your chapter. Bring your chapter through those filters this week. Take some time this week to take the chapter of lies that you've accepted and start filtering them through there and start challenging yourself because we have an obligation as everybody being a minister of reconciliation in the scriptures. That's what the Bible says in all of us, that we are ministers of reconciliation, that we first have to reconcile ourselves to the truth and then we help others reconcile that truth to themselves. So take the time this week as we finish up this one uh, you know, as we finish up this uh, podcast to say, have I, been, have I been believing these lies? Let me filter them through these truths. Is God's word true? Who is God? Who am I? 
Am I becoming who God desires me to become? That's it. That's it. Love it, brother. Thanks for listening to By Dads for Dads on the Known Legacy podcast. Look for us on social media under Known Legacy or go to www.knownlegacy.org to stay connected. For booking or questions, email us at info at knownlegacy.org.